Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I'm really hoping that you have. But God is up to something fresh and new. Like He's moving. And I really hope that you have noticed. Number one. But more than that, I hope that you've responded to it, to him. The reason is because, of course, I think that, I mean, every generation thinks that they're living in the last days, but I really think they're living in the last days. And so, like, his word says that, you know, he'll pour out his spirit in that time and, and move in his people first. And so, I've been, um, really don't know what's going to happen this morning, so strap yourself in. So, um, or not, like, um, yeah, so I've just been having conversations with people over the last little while, and some people, and it's a really, really normal response, if you feel something that's a little bit uncomfortable, and trust me, when God starts to move, uncomfortable, you know, and who remembers, like, Ages ago, I talked about when um, Lindy and I were at Redhead and there was that massive storm, and we couldn't actually, we were under shelter, we were way under shelter, but we still got here with the storm because, like, the rain was coming sideways. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me and just say, you need to be comfortable with me displaying my power. And I just was like, okay. Like, because I was in that moment going, should I be scared? Am I ever going to get home, like, is this song going to last forever and I won't be able to, like, go home? Like, there's all these things that go through your mind, but I just had to actually relax that I was okay. I was safe. I was getting wet and hailed on, but I was okay with him, with this display of his amazing power. And so I have had conversations with people over this last little season, and one thing that has come up is that I just don't know what it's going to mean. What is it going to look like if we step into what God is doing? If we, if we step closer, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to look like? Is it going to get messy? These are all valid, valid, like, and very human and normal responses to God moving. Except that He's God. He is our Lord. And so frankly, he should be able to do whatever he wants. And we just go with it. But I think that we have just been not realising that. So I just want to encourage you, and it came out in the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting I felt like preached my sermon this morning. But um, I just want to encourage you to just take that first step. Like, Even just as Moses did, he sees the burning bush. He sees that God is moving and he just turned aside, the Bible says, to look at it. And so I want to encourage you to, yes, those questions are valid, but just put them aside and turn aside to what he's doing. It's going to be different for every single person in this room, I think. But just turn aside to what he's doing, what he's speaking. So I am going to use the Bible this morning. I want to talk about Moses actually. So the background to the scriptures I want to share is that Moses has had the burning bush experience and he's had a bit of a, you know, encounter with God. 
And he's even, they've even had a bit of a relational struggle, Moses and God. And, you know, there was a bit of a setting apart that needed to happen. Circumcision. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff needed to happen. And then in Exodus chapter 4, did I give you this scripture, Heath, or no? Okay, I'll just read this one and then you can help me with the rest. So in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, God is saying to Moses, You shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. A little bit of emotion here because he's talking about us. We are his firstborn. We are his children. We are Israel. And God is wanting Moses to say to Pharaoh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Interesting there, I have never read that. I mean, I have read that before, but I've never seen it before because we know the plagues that come on Pharaoh and he ends up losing his firstborn. But I've never seen before that God actually told him that he would lose his firstborn if he didn't let go of God's people. So, now you can come with me. So Exodus 5 and verse 1, thanks, Keith. Did I give you that one? I'm not really great at this, though. I don't always... Anyway, afterwards. So, so God has said to Moses, go say this to Pharaoh. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron, because we know we go through the whole, he has to take Aaron with him. They went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking of that song, Holy Moses on the Mountain. You know that song? Stuart Stuart probably knows. Oh, are you? Yeah, no, that's the one I thought of, because Mark said, Are you doing Holy Moses on the Mountain? No, I'm doing Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Ooh, baby, let my people go. Ooh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, young people. I heard that. That's another um, common Buchanan classic, isn't it, Ian? He did that. He covered it. He covered it. Oh, he didn't write it. But he could, because he's a legend. Anyway, so yes. He says, I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. In verse 3, we then follow on. Moses says, The God of Hebrews has met with us. So they've had an encounter with God. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall on us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, I know that this is Old Testament, and so there's a lot of judgment and, you know, rules and all that kind of stuff. And we now live in the New Testament where Jesus has paid the price for that and reconciled us back to God. But sometimes, because the big C church, right, has made it all about rules and regulations still. And so we've kind of swung back to a space of grace and love and mercy. But actually, 
God didn't throw the Old Testament out. He's still a God of justice, even though he's also love and mercy. He's still a God who is holy, even though he is kind and loving to us. What I'm saying is we need a healthy fear of God. We need to understand that he is God. I was going to share this story later, but I'll share it now. Um, a few weeks ago when we got back from conference, you know when the service got really messy, that one? I was in worship and I felt um, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to pray for Mel, who sits behind me there. I'm sure you all know her. You can probably hear her during church. Yelling out, heckling everyone. Um, but I was just standing there and I felt him, I felt overcome with the love of God. And he said, I want you to pray for Mel that she would feel the love of God. And I stood there in worship and I went, yeah, I'll do it later. And he goes, no, no, now. And I went, okay, but only if she's on the end of the row, because it'd be awkward to, you know, get through. I just didn't want to disrupt people. And so I kind of did the whole to see if she was on the end of the row. And she was on the end of the row. And so I was obedient then. And I went round and I prayed for her. And I just said, I, I was crying because I could hardly talk. But I just said, I felt like God. You remember, hey, Mel. I felt like God just wanted to love on you this morning. And then I left her with that. Anyway, I came back to my seat. And not long after that, Mel just tapped me on the shoulder. And she said, I don't mean to leave church in the middle, but I've got to go pick up my mum. And she left. And then the service went the way that it did, where God was just loving on everybody. And I realised that if I hadn't been obedient in that moment, that Mel wouldn't have, wouldn't have um, got that touch. But this is what I want to tell you, is that afterwards, when Mel and I were talking about it, I just said to her, and it stuck with her as well. I said, Tim, we are rude to God. We're so rude to him. He's like, he's like the king of kings and lords of lords. And he chooses to partner with us, for us to minister with him. It's like such an honour. And I argued with him about it over the stupidest things. That's inconvenient for me right now, Jesus. It's not a good idea is what I'm saying. We shouldn't do it. And part of part of what God is doing, like when I when I like I've cried in worship for the last I don't know how many weeks. But I love it. But I've got to say when I see him, all I want to do is just like apologize for whatever the heck it's been before now. Where I've just come and gone through the motions. And I want to lay it all before him. And I was listening to an interview with Pastor Stacey Hillier, who some of you will know. And she said part of what is happening is that is repentance. And I know some of you are like, how dare you swear at me this morning? <laughs> we don't like that word repentance. But she said part of what God is doing is about repentance, but it's a joy. It's actually a beautiful exchange for us to come before God and say sorry 
for what I've been doing before now. I lay that all at your feet. You are the Lord of my life. She actually used the word she said, previously repentance would leave a bitter taste in my mouth. But now it's a joy. We get to repent. And it's beautiful. Even what Mark has been preaching over these last few weeks about Isaiah. He gets, he gets a clear view of God and his first response is, woe is me. I am unclean. But it's beautiful. It's not beat yourself up. It's not judgment. If we get to repent. Here's the thing. Pharaoh didn't know who God was. I'm just going to grab a tissue. We should just have these on the pulpit now. I think. What do you reckon I was going to say after Fiona last week? Israel feared God more than they feared him. And the enemy doesn't like that at all. The enemy would love us to keep our eyes on him and be worried about what he's doing instead of being in that place of knowing who God is and knowing that he is actually so much more powerful than anything the counterfeit can do. So Pharaoh's response is, and I'll tell you what, I've just got to just um, preface this for a second. I was having this wrestle with God about you're moving God and yet I feel like it, I'm, I'm having to fight to, to, to keep that, to hold on to this fresh thing. I feel like it's a, like, you know, like it's another thing after another thing after another thing. And I feel like it's, it's, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose what you're doing, God. I want to hold on to it. And I was reading this scripture, and I just, this, like, few scriptures, and I just felt God was going, well, boom, 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 boom. Like, this is what the enemy does. This is what the people do. This is what, and I just went, okay. So I'm still processing this in front of you this morning. So hang on to yourself, like I said before. So in verse 4 it says, Then the king of Egypt said to to Pharaoh again, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? See, the enemy wants you to stay in that space. Get back to your labour. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labour. So he can see that there's a power in the people, potentially, and he wants to keep them where they were. The enemy wants to keep you where you were. The enemy wants to keep me where I was. I've had um oh sorry. <laughs> I've had a few conversations with people and I don't know if you you probably know some as well. But it's interesting that in these conversations over the last I reckon month, people have just been going, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. Like it's like thing after thing after thing and I'm overwhelmed. And I'm like, 
do you know what? I would use that word to describe what I'm feeling at the moment. And then someone else will go, actually, I would think that about that family too. Like they just keep facing thing after thing and they'd be overwhelmed. See, when we got out, when we're listening, we can see that the enemy is up to something. He would like to stir the pot and keep us overwhelmed so that we're trying to, like, keep all the balls in the air and juggle everything that's happening and fight on that front and fight on that front and have us overwhelmed so that we're not making that space to lean in to the new thing that God is doing. And so I want to encourage you to listen to the words when you're chatting with each other because that's the benefit of community is that when we're talking with each other and we're hearing those same words, we can actually go, ah, that's what the enemy's doing. Let's deal with that. I um, I heard this amazing story by this pastor from Toowoomba. His name's Jimmy. I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. But he came to be in Toowoomba. He's an African fellow. And he came in Toowoomba and he took over this church. And um, he just had all these weird experiences, but he got his intercessors praying, you know. He had like the weirdest things, like for example, and elders do not get any ideas, he had his elders come up on stage, fight for the microphone, fight each other for the microphone, and then all left the church. And so, like, I'm just like, what the heck is this a soap opera? That just sounds like unrealistic. Weeks later, this um, warlock comes into the church, and he comes straight up to the pastor to you know, attack him, and he freezes on the spot, obviously, and then ends up getting radically saved. And this guy was saying they would go, him and his friends would go up onto the mountain and pray against the church. And he actually said, did you have people fighting on your platform? They were specific in what they were coming at. And I know that we don't always want to hear about it, that there is an enemy and he's real and he's specific. But when you listen to the language around, you'll start to go, oh, okay, this is what the enemy's up to. We'll just flip that on its head. Because we do have the power, but when we don't eyeball him, you know, we think we've got to figure it out for ourselves, which is another point that I'm going to make. So don't go ahead. Okay, so verse 6 we're up to. Yeah, good one, Heath. So the same day that Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying this, no longer give the people straw to make brick as before, let them go and gather straw for themselves and still expect the same quota of bricks that they made from before. Do not reduce it. We get expectations on us. From the enemy, yes, but not just from life. We get all these expectations thrown at us and we're expected to... Now incorporate, okay, God, I see that you're moving and I want to lean into that, but then I've still got this, um, you know, expectations will actually, sometimes we've got to stop and reassess and go, I can drop that for the sake of pursuing what God is doing. There's this great book in the 90s, How Old Are You All? Me. And it says, the title of it is, I'm trying to sit at his feet, but who's going to cook dinner? Because we do have 
demands on us from the world. And so it is actually hard for us to sit at his feet. But it's not impossible. Not at all. He can do in a moment if we just turn aside to the burning bush. Sometimes when we do turn aside and we turn aside regularly, you feel like, oh my goodness, I wasn't this busy before. Like the busyness seems to get out of control because and he doesn't like us turning aside. When we choose to turn aside, we can be unfairly judged. Verse 8, Pharaoh says, these people are idle. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labour in it and let them not regard false words. He's just being judgy, make judgy pants. And that's what can happen, is that we do, we just kind of judge one another. Others judge. It's just normal. But I tell you what, oh, I don't know whether to say that there or later. So, I'll say. So we were just, um, what I love about the African nation actually, just speaking about Pastor Jimmy again, is that they're very accustomed to spiritual warfare. And a lot of people, not in, that, like they just, they get it and they know that that's the battle. But I feel like in Western culture, and I'm not judging you, because it's myself as well. I feel like in Western culture, we have so much at our disposal. If we get sick, we go to the doctor. If we need money, we can work harder and get money and, you know, get a loan. <laughs> if, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, we're able, we're so able. And sometimes God equips us to be able. And so what we do is we try and just be more able when things come at us. But actually he wants he wants to be our all sufficiency. And sometimes when we're getting that overwhelm, it's the time when we need to go, hey God, I should have got you to do this in the first place, but can you help me out now? And he does, like he's so gracious. We don't engage God in our trouble because we're kind of self-sufficient and, and God becomes like an add-on. Verse 21, we're almost there, last page, so hang on. Verse 21, wait, I turned the page too quickly. And they said to them, so this, this is the people talking to Moses, okay? So this is the, uh, you know, let the Lord look on you and judge because you've made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So here is Moses saying, hey, God's calling us to this better place. And then obviously things, you know, it doesn't look like it's going well because Pharaoh starts to do things harder. And then the people get antsy with each other. And we can do that too. We can just say, Where, what, what, look what, this is not, like I've stepped towards God and I feel like, it's gotten all messy now and it's uncomfortable 
and the enemy's out to get us and all of those things. And they're, you know, easy. Easy for us to fight one another instead of keep our eyes on the turning aside. Song of Songs tells us in um, chapter 2, verse 15, thanks, peace, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. And I read a little commentary on this, and they say, actually, that's real. If you're growing a vineyard, when the when it's little, when it, like there's a little bit of fruit coming to bear, that's when the foxes get in. And they don't go for the fruit, they actually go for the roots of that new fruit. And so we just, um, I just felt like God is saying, we just need to be mindful of our words during this season. Because we can, we can kind of go, hey, God's doing this, but just in case. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not we're not actually leaning in and stepping and turning aside because we're just keeping a safety net over here. Or it could be, like me, God's ruffling my feathers a little bit, and I don't have the best things coming out of my mouth all the time. And so, just being honest with you, and um, and I have to actually stop that. And I found myself in the last week, particularly as I've been processing this. I've actually been stopping and going, that was a bit harsh or that was a bit mean or, and actually going straight to the person and saying, that didn't come out right and I'm sorry. And, and I've just felt like I needed to do that. Whereas previously, I would have talked myself into why I was quite right to have that attitude. <laughs> but I don't want the little foxes to come in and to attack the roots of the new fruit that God is trying to bear in me. We've got to be mindful. So, if we don't, stop watching. If we don't um, sort out those little foxes, what happens to Moses is this, in verse 22. He's, he goes to God and he says, why have you brought this trouble on these people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done all this evil, and neither have you delivered your people at all. And so here we are, we've turned aside to God, and mess has happened, and now Moses is going, are you actually going to show up? <laughs> that would be great right now, you know. And we can do that. We can do that. We can say, hey, I've turned aside, and I'm loving this new level of relationship that we're having and I'm walking in that and it's beautiful but could you just sort out like it's, it's, where are you you know in the, in the middle of all this hoo-ha Moses doubts God and now for God's response we go into chapter 6 and this is what God Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. 
I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So, as good as yesterday, like, as I said, I'm still very much processing this, but as recently as yesterday, I was driving in the car, and I do a lot of my processing in the car, eyes open, of course, and um, I just was going over, over a situation, and it was heavy on my heart, like, you guys probably have those things that you're concerned about, things you're worried about and you think about them and what the best course of action is and what do I need to do and what do they need to do and, you know, I was ruminating it all in the car. And God just reminded me of this passage. And he just said to me, I am the Lord. And so I've got this set of worship songs on my phone and I call them no that's not one of them <laughs> and I call them I call them Jesus songs which is odd isn't it because there's a lot of worship songs but these ones are specifically Jesus ones because I don't I'm in that space where I don't want to sing about who I am in God I don't want to sing about what I can do in God or what he's given me which are all good things like the Psalms are full of that but I want to sing songs that are just putting him on the throne. Just adoring him and lifting him up to that space in my life, but also in my circumstances. And as soon as I flicked that set list on in my car, I just felt peace of God. And I didn't even remember like I was going to soccer actually and I turned up to soccer just not even really thinking about what my issue was because I had just lifted up God over my life and over the circumstances I lifted up God before the enemy I feel like that's why he said it four times I am the Lord he was trying to nail it home I am the Lord and he even says in there I am the Lord your God he wants us to remember that he is the Lord and to lift him up. And so as the worship team come now, I just want to encourage us. We're going to sing how great, I think, because he is great. And, um, and I want to encourage you to just focus on him right now. Not think about your situation and how you need to fix it or what you need to do to fix it but actually lift him up. I also think that some of you, like me, 
me to be sorry for how you have maybe been rude to him when he, I'm just saying it like it is because I was rude to him, when he's asked us for obedience and we have had a little argument, like, you know, why, I don't know. We just like to be in control probably. But more than anything, the number one thing this morning is that we need to lift him up as Lord over all. Why don't you stand with me? If you for any reason want people or need prayer this morning and want people to stand with you, I encourage you to do it now. Because let's be honest, we don't go home and do it. If we're being honest. Now is a great time to make an exchange with God. Maybe you want to say, maybe this is your first step. I want to turn aside to what you are doing. Do that this morning. Maybe it's time to say, I'm sorry for not listening all the other times and you've invited me to turn aside and I haven't. Maybe it's time to say, I'm going to stop trying to do this in my own strength and work it all out in the flesh when you've already won the battle and I can just lean on that. Whatever it is this morning, let's not, let's not be comfortable. Let's lean in. How great are you?